to your posts and let no man forget today that you are from old Virginia! Sweethearts, for your wives, for Virginia, forward! March! Good evening, guys. Good evening. This is your host, Chase H. CEO of the Ape Academy podcast. This is a scene from the iconic movie Gettysburg. The movie everyone my age watched like a hundred times in high school when there was a substitute teacher. <laughs> Amazing film. This scene depicts Pickett's Charge. All right, so the army of Robert E. Lee was really in a pinch. They made one last desperate gamble to dislodge the Union Army from their fortifications, from their battle line. He ordered Pickett to charge to advance across a mile of open ground straight into the teeth of the Union artillery and muskets. It didn't work out well. They were repulsed. Uh, twelve Out of 12,000 men, there were like 6,000 casualties. All right, so they took massive losses. And one of the reasons why was because of a new type of ammunition called the Minet Ball. All right. M-I-N-I-E. B-A-L-L. Minet Ball. Devastating advances in war technology. Really kind of what led up to the staggering uh, loss of life during the Civil War. Um, no other war in American history have we seen more deaths and more gruesome injuries than in the Civil War? All right, so today, since I, I figured we were on the topic of ammunition, we will do a quick bonus episode. You know I love bonus episodes. About the first hollow tip round ever used in American warfare, the Monet Ball. Enjoy. Ape. <laughs> Chase H is your host. Uh, as usual, the beats are produced by Organic Dope out of Philly. Thank you so much for these fire beats. It really gives a good backdrop to the podcast. All right, sit back and enjoy this bonus episode, y'all. Hey.
snap. We are back. Back to back episodes, y'all. Okay, today we're talking about the Manet Ball. I'm going to make this quick, man. I promise. I promise. So, what was the Manet Ball? We have a, a few sources today. We have history.net, and we also have my favorite author, S.C. Gwen. Well, my favorite nonfiction author, S.C. Gwen. And I am taking some information from his great book, Hymns of the Republic. All right, so hold on to your horses. What was the Manet Ball? I tr personally believe, I truly believe that it is the first recorded instance of a hollow point round being used in American warfare by Americans against Americans. That's just me, I'm an amateur historian. I don't know if there's anything documented before that. That's just my observation. The Manet Ball is a type of bullet used extensively in the American Civil War. It was a muzzle-loading rifle bullet named after its co-designer, Claude Etienne Minet. Minier. I like that. <laughs> All right, so back in the day, rifles were loaded from the muzzle, right? So what is that? All right, so you know how muskets look, right? You've seen uh, The Patriot. If you guys who haven't seen it, check it out. It's a great movie, all right? You know, the long rifles. Back in the day, you had to load from the muzzle. So you had to stuff the, uh, the rounds down the muzzle of your own rifle with a, with, a, with a rod, right? And then you had to cock it, right? And then you could fire, okay? So this was a muzzle-loading rifle bullet, all right? The bullet was conical in shape. So it wasn't an actual ball, right? It was actually a cone. The reason why they kept the name ball is because, you know, most Civil War era bullets were round. But for some reason, they just decided to keep the ball on the end. I don't know why. It was actually a cone. Doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. The Manet ball was made of soft lead. And it was designed to be slightly smaller than the intended gun bore. So it made it really easy to load in combat and under pressure. So previous rounds, they had to be really, really tight and fit the bore almost perfectly. And that really made the muskets and the rifles really slow to load because they had to make sure that you, you really pressed it in there and had to be firmly planted. This one, it was looser, so there was more room for error so you could load faster, if that makes sense. All right? So the bullet itself was actually designed with two to four grooves and a cone-shaped cavity, a hollow cavity. So it was designed to expand under, the press under pressure, and this would increase the muzzle velocity. So once you pull that trigger, as soon as that thing shot down the freaking uh, muzzle, it was expanding, right? And what this did was it increased the muzzle blast and increased the energy that it left the weapon with, all right? When it was fired, especially from the long-barreled rifles of the day, the expanded, expanding gases deformed the bullet and engaged the barrel's rifling. Rifling gives bullets a greater range, and it makes for a much, much better accurate shot. Because what it does, it, put, it puts, as my friend from Boston would say, wicked spin on it, right? It puts a wicked spin on the bullet when it goes through a 
a uh, rifle with rifling in the barrel, okay? Back in the day, before rifling, everything was smoothbore, right? So shots were wildly inaccurate. You really had to be quite a sharpshooter to hit anything. You know, in the American Revolution, the French and Indian War, the War of 1812, right? All these, all these wars featured smoothbore rifles. Not the case in the Civil War, okay? So this unique design dramatically increased both the range and the accuracy of the bullet. And there are many historians that have pretty much accepted the fact that the Manet ball is one of the main factors causing the gruesome wounds and the extremely high numbers of casualties during the Civil War. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Um, sickness was rampant, illness, uh, you know, smallpox, dysentery, all type of illnesses. When that many men from different parts of the country are crammed into really, really close distances, small spaces, disease spreads quickly. But on top of that, the type of wounds, the type of, of warfare that they were fighting back then was just so brutal and so kind of designed to inflict, uh, you know, maximum damage. It, the tactics weren't really in line with the technology. What had happened was, and this is the case a lot of times in warfare, the technology outpaces the tactics, right? So the tactics are still back in the Mexican War. They're still back in the, Napo in the uh, Napoleonic Wars. But the technology, right, the killing machines are advanced. So <laughs> the tactics don't match up with the technology, which, which always results in massive casualties and a lot of deaths, all right? Because, you know, they're marching in straight lines, Straight lines, frontal attacks, tight formations, which works when the technology isn't that great. But when you got canister, grape shot from artillery, artillery was more accurate and more deadly than ever in the history of the world during the Civil War at that time. Like we said, the Manet, the, the Manet ball, we'll, we're going to talk about that in a second, devastating wounds, okay? Some historians question this narrative because the accuracy depended on the soldier firing the weapon. And since target practice was really limited, most soldiers tended to miss and miss high. All right. But I don't think anyone can deny the devastating effect that the Manet ball had on the battlefield. So let's talk about the Manet ball in the Civil War, actually in combat itself. All right. The U.S. had observers present during the 1853 to 1855 Crimean War. One of the observers was the future commander of the Army of the Potomac, General George B. McKellen, okay? He was really impressed by the effectiveness of this round, all right? So this round was a European round first. Once it arrived in America, uh, the design was improved by James Burton, who was an armorer at Harper's Ferry. Harper's Ferry was the official American military armory at the time, all right? That's where all the new technology came through. That's where they developed new technology. They did a lot of gunsmithing. They designed rifles, bullets, ammunition, artillery, all type of stuff went through Harper's Ferry. So what was good about the Manet Ball at the time, right, was that it could be mass-produced cheaply and easily. 
and Burton's version of the new ammo, along with the rifled musket to go with it, was adopted for use by the U.S. Army by Secretary of War, get this, Jefferson Davis, who would later become the President of the Confederate States of America. Oh, man. So the guy that actually instituted the Manet Ball uh, as a rifle for the U.S. Army, as a, as a uh, I'm sorry, not a rifle, as a uh, form of ammunition for the U.S. Army was the guy who rebelled against the United States, right, who led the rebellion. Interesting. There are two different sizes of the Manet Ball, all right? The Harper's Ferry Rifle fired a 69 caliber round, while the Springfield design used a 58 caliber. At the start of the war, both sides had mostly smoothbore rifles, which we talked about before. But these were gradually phased out and replaced with rifled muskets. Once people found out how much more accurate the rifled muskets were, the smooth bores were eventually kind of downgraded, but trust me, there were still plenty of smooth bore rifles out there. It's just that the more advanced rifles tended to get to, get to the frontline troops a little bit more prevalently. Okay, the factories in the north spit out rifles in mass, <laughs> and they far outpaced the south's mostly agricultural economy. So I'm gonna tell you this. If anyone who, who has studied the Civil War knows, the South really didn't have a whole lot of a chance if you look at it. If you look at it, hindsight being 2020, the South had the advantage early, right? The longer the war went, the worse the South fared. The South won plenty of huge battles, plenty of battles, and they were admirable soldiers. They were very courageous. Oh no, you know, no one agrees with what they stand for nowadays, right? Well, very few of us do. A few nut jobs do, but they were good soldiers. They had some of the finest generals in the world, right? But they just could not, their economy could not keep pace with the massive industrial centers of the North. You know, New York, Chicago. <laughs> I mean, these are Philadelphia. These are huge cities. Boston, right? And they're mass producing, mass producing, churning out weapons, churning out artillery pieces, churning out men. The Union had a dang near limitless supply of bodies. And you can only find so many people in the South. The South was at a huge disadvantage as far as manpower goes, all right? So, oh, and I forgot to tell you guys, the North also had a secret weapon, which we'll learn about a little bit later, Mr. Eli Whitney. Eli was a genius. He helped the North mass produce. He... He kind of developed the techniques needed for mass producing things, right? He was one of the godfathers of um, industrial mass produ mass production. We'll go into that in a later podcast, all right? This is from S.C. Gwen's book, Hym Hymns of the Republic. The Manet Ball is described as such, quote, They cause extremely destructive wounds, far out of proportion to their size, moving at low velocity they lost their shape on impact, tumbling through bodies, soft flesh, and often lacking the speed or power to exit. A bullet that hit one New York soldier in the cheek was taken out between his shoulders. 
a bullet that penetrated another soldier's left waist climbed in a diagonal line to his right shoulder, tearing through kidneys, intestines, the stomach, and lungs on the way. That's a description of how the Manet ball would literally, almost like a 22, would hit you and it would travel and just all over the place in your body because it was so soft. The lead was very soft. All right. Veterans cautioned the really, really green recruits against crouching down while advancing on the enemy. Because, you know, it's a natural instinct. If you're walking in a straight friggin' line across open ground and right in front of you is a bunch of other dudes with rifles pointing at you, your natural right inclination is to kind of make yourself small, right? Crouch low to the ground, bend your knees, you know, bend over to try to avoid any bullets. But the veterans would, would tell the rookies, don't ever do that. Because if you walk like that, that type of posture would allow a bullet to travel. If it hits you in the foot, it can leave the top of your head. It will travel the length of your body if you were crouched too low to the ground. So that's why they stood so erect, even though it makes no freaking sense to stand straight up in the air and march straight at the enemy with muskets pointing at you. They would rather get shot in one place then try to crouch down and try to be like a ninja and get shot everywhere in their body because that's what the Manet balls would do. They would bounce around. So that is just a quick, oh my goodness, podcast discussing the Manet ball. All right, we're on the subject of ammunition. I'm not going to go too far into it because I love the Civil War and I have a bunch of books on it and I could talk about it forever. So we're going to keep it short and sweet today. Um... We're on the topic of ammunition. We talked about hollow points and uh, full metal jackets yesterday. We also talked about the 9mm and the 22. If you could take anything out from this podcast, the Manet ball was the first hollow point used in American warfare. And just think about it like this. It was meant, much like modern day hollow points, to create as much damage as possible on impact. The difference between the Manet ball and modern hollow points is that it was much lighter. It was made of soft lead. So what happened was when the Manet ball hit you, it shattered whatever it hit, but then it also traveled. The hollow point round is not meant to travel in your body. It's meant to impact your body hard, expand and break apart, and then keep moving through you. Okay, so that's why you'll see if you can ever collect a bullet that a hollow point that has been shot is flat. It looks like a pancake. Right, because that's what it does. It it flattens out. It doesn't bounce around like a twenty-two. All right. So that's all we got for today. I'm happy you guys could join us. Thank you so much. Hey, remember, please rate, subscribe, and review. Every review helps. Every subscription helps. Every download helps. We got some big news. We got a download today from Norway. All right. We're already in a bunch of other countries. But Norway has been recently added to the Ape Academy podcast family. Shout out to Norway. We love you guys all over the world. God bless y'all. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you guys. Be on the lookout for the next podcast. God bless you. Ape. Remember... Train hard, always be vigilant, put God and your family first, 
and stay positive. Do not let anyone, I don't care who they are, tell you that you cannot do something. Be yourself always. Ape.